going to read the same verse of Scripture that we read last Sunday morning. The psalmist David said in Psalm chapter 18 and verse 6, But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. Shout help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. I want to preach to you this morning the second part, final part of this sermon I titled Help. Part two today, I want to tell you this morning, it's on the way. I said it's on the way. Look at your neighbor this morning and tell him your help is on the way. Father, I thank you once again for your presence that we felt in this place in such a wonderful way already today. I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for the next few moments you would anoint every ear to hear what your word is speaking to us today. Lord, I pray that you would touch hearts in this place and change lives as only you can. I pray, Lord, that I wouldn't speak my words, that I wouldn't preach with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but, Lord, your word would come forth today in the demonstration of your spirit and with power. I pray, Lord, that you would touch hearts and change lives. And if there's one person seated in this room today that needs help, from you. God, it's my prayer that before they leave this building today, they will say, I found my help in Jesus' house today. I ask you to do what only you can do in and through your word, and we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I want to revisit, as I started last week, I know it was an unconventional way to start a sermon, but I want to revisit the lyrics to the song that I shared uh, last Sunday. I want to revisit those this Sunday. In 1965, the Beatles, the group the Beatles, wrote a song. And when I was titling uh, this sermon, I couldn't help, but for some reason, when I titled it Help, immediately uh, this song came to my mind. I thought, i got to Google the lyrics to it. So I looked it up, and here's the lyrics to that 1965 Beatles song. It said, help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now these days are gone, I'm not so self-assured. Now I find I've changed my mind and opened up the doors. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down, and I do appreciate you being around. Help me get my feet back on the ground, won't you please Please help me. Has anybody ever been there in your life where you felt like you needed some help? Now listen, where the Beatles was looking for help is not where your help comes from. Say amen, somebody. But I'm glad this morning that I know where my help comes from. The psalmist David said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. If you need help in your life this morning, I came to tell you you're in the right place at the right time with the right people that can tell you where your help can be found. If you didn't get to be here last week, I just want to bring you up to speed on that message. Last week I shared with you, I admitted that when we're young, we really don't think that we need any help much, do we? Uh, and it seems that the older we get, the more we realize that we all need some help and some assistance. So we talked last week about the help prayer. Uh, the title of that message was Let Us Pray because the help prayer is perfect for any situation. 
It's perfect for any person to pray. It's the help prayer is the most answered prayer. And I talked to you about the need to request help. If you want help, you got to request it. you got to ask for it. But then to recognize and accept the help that you'll get from the Lord. you got to do that. And then you also got to recognize the need that you may be the only Bible somebody's ever going to read. You may have to serve as God wrapped in the flesh so that you can help somebody else and help others. And I talked to you about the need for that last week, and I even also told you that I believe most of us sometimes don't receive help just because we simply fail to ask for it. And all throughout Scripture, Jesus was constantly giving assistance to those who requested it. He turned water into wine due to the request from his mother. He healed the blind man as a direct result of a request. If you'll remember, blind Bartimaeus was on the side of the road, and when Jesus passed by, he cried out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He healed the lepers due to a petition from them for help. He calmed the storm simply because his disciples cried out for help. He fed the 5,000, not counting women and children, simply because they let it known that they let it be known that they were hungry. He healed Jairus' daughter because Jairus went looking for him and found him and said, I need you to heal my daughter. And Jesus healed Jairus' daughter because he asked him for help. So listen, there is no, hear me this morning. There, don't need, there doesn't need to be any shame in your game. When you need help from God, don't shy away from crying out and asking for it. He's a God that wants to help you where you are. And after looking at the help prayer, I want to shift gears this week and talk to you about where your help is at. As I was studying a week ago Friday for the message I preached to you last Sunday, I began looking at those instances where people cried out for help, and we find that every time Jesus fulfilled that request and he met their need for help. But then I began to discover something that just kind of tripped me up, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Here's some instances, several instances I found, where nobody was asking for help in the Bible. Nobody was crying out for help, and there was instances all throughout the Bible where even though nobody was asking for help, Jesus showed up and he helped anyway. And I want us to look. There's several I could share with you today, but for some reason the Lord directed me to these three instances. That, and I think it's because they'll speak to you to the place. It, it, it should cover most everybody to the place of where you might be this morning in your personal life or in your walk with Christ. The truth is... You may be in a place this morning where you don't really feel like you can ask for help. Now listen, if you need help and you can ask for it, cry help and God's going to help you. But I also came to tell you this morning, if you are in a place where, how many know sometimes you can just get in a place where you don't even feel like you can ask for help? And if that's you this morning, this message is for you. I want to talk to you about the place of help. First of all, Jesus came to the unlikely 
an unexpected place. I want to read to you out of the book of Mark, chapter 16 and verse 9. We find that after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. Her name was Mary, and she came from the town of Magdala, hence the term Mary Magdalene. And this Mary was the victim. I'm going to talk to some of y'all this morning who might be the victim of some bad stuff. She was the victim of a terrible, terrible evil. Possession by one devil would be bad enough. Somebody help me preach. I said possession by one demon. Listen, let me establish something right here. Demonic activity is real. It's real. And to be possessed by one devil would be bad enough, but her body had become physically, had became the home of seven different demons. And we're not told what happened in her past that caused her to just open herself up to this kind of demonic activity. All we know is that her life had been arrested by evil. Mary Magdalene was living a helpless life. She was living a hopeless life. She was a woman in a terrible shape. She was a horrible case, if you will. And obviously, she was bound by something that was stronger than her chains. Because the iron that bound her was the powerful arms of hellish demon spirits that wrapped around Mary of Magdala with their invisible grip. It was something the naked eye could not see, but she was very bound nonetheless. Mary couldn't, hear me this morning, Mary could not help herself. Let me say that again. Mary could not help herself. She could not defend herself. She was enslaved, if you will. Can I tell you this morning that I think it's high time that the church stops being put out with people, stops being aggravated by people that just can't seem to ever get it right? There are some people out there that we're called to minister to. They cannot help themselves. God needs a you wrapped in flesh to go to them. She was enslaved. The condition Mary was in is an important element of the story and certainly the most prominent feature of the story. However, there's a secondary feature, if you will, of this story that's also worthy of our focus. Although Mary's situation was terrible, I want us to look past her condition this morning to see her location. You see, the great physician, Jesus, in wearing a peasant's robe, at some point he visited Magdala incognito. How many knows what it means to go somewhere incognito? Well, let me tell you, I woke up not too long ago. We never do this at my house, but I woke up not too long ago just craving breakfast. And I mean full-on breakfast. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't mean a piece of toast and an egg. I was craving eggs, bacon, sausage, 
hash browns. Y'all feel the Lord yet? Biscuits, gravy. I wanted the works. You can keep your pancakes. But I wanted everything else. So I told Angie, I said, I don't even want to take the time. We never, I mean, we never do that at my house. I said, I don't even want to take the time to go get it and bring it home and cook it. Let's just go somewhere and get it. And I hadn't been to the Huddle House in years. Last time I had been there, they allowed everybody to smoke inside there, and I like to choke to death trying to eat. So I knew they didn't do that anymore, so I said, let's go to the Huddle House. So we did. I put on a pair of sweatpants and a hoodie and a ball cap. I guess I was incognito. You know how I know? Listen, if you don't think the devil hates on me for some of the things that I preach and what I stand for, I went incognito to the Huddle House. We were sitting there having coffee, waiting on our breakfast. How's it Dwight says it? Breakfast. We always make fun of Dwight for the way he says breakfast. He leaves the K out. Anyway, that's, that had nothing to do with the story. But anyhow, um, I was sitting there having our coffee, waiting on our breakfast, or breakfast, Dwight. When, I kid you not, the people at the booth next to us started talking about a preacher who had a church that owned a daycare. And they started talking about me. I was incognito. I sat there in silence. I was frustrated because it got worse and worse and worse. And all of a sudden, my wife took all she could take. She was like, Popeye, can I get a witness? I've had all I can stands, and I can't stands no more. And she said, if you want to know the truth, why don't you just ask him? He's sitting right here. So I just went, yeah, I'm sitting right here. You want to talk about somebody looking like they'd seen a ghost? I ain't never seen anybody scarf down some food, pay the bill, and get out so quick. And then guess what? If you don't think God will bless you, we didn't do anything ugly. Our little server came to us and said, I, I just want you all to know I'm going to give you 20% off your bill today. I saw your morning got off to a bad start. <laughs> I said, you didn't have to do that, but I tipped her 25%. Praise the Lord. But anyway, I, was, I didn't even know it. Why did I tell you that story? I was incognito. I didn't know I was incognito, but obviously I was incognito. Some people don't know me unless I look like this. Jesus had gone to Magdala incognito. Bible said he was wearing a peasant's robe. And that little village, I probably should have put a map up for you. That little village of Magdala was positioned on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. It was a totally inconspicuous place. It commanded no strategic importance to Rome or Jerusalem. It was kind of like Gaza. It was just sitting out there by itself. It was a forgotten town. It was a little, the way we would describe it today, one light blip on the map. And it certainly was not a destination for sightseers. And it certainly was not, definitely not a place that you would expect to find Jesus. But Jesus came to Magdala. It was an unlikely place to find the king of glory. I'm going somewhere with this. He went to an out-of-the-way place. Can I get a witness this morning? It was an unexpected place to find the light of the world. He arrived there un 
salt, uninvited. And it was probably true that no one in Magdala was looking for Jesus to be there. But I'm convinced this morning that Jesus went to Magdala for one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to look up and find a woman by the name of Mary who needed help. And then when he found her, I also want you to note, I've struggled with this all my ministry because I've heard preach pray, uh, not pray, I've heard them say uh, when they were preaching that um, the Lord didn't find, or yeah, the Lord didn't find you. You were the one that was lost. You found him, yada, yada. I want you to notice, and I've never really took a stance on that because I, I figure what difference does it make as long as you find Jesus and Jesus finds you. Say amen, somebody. But when I read this account, I want you to notice something. It did not say that she found him. It said that he found her. That's how I know he went there on a mission. He went there for a purpose. Why are you saying that, Pastor? I'm reminded of another place in Scripture where Jesus told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. How many remember that story? There was a woman at the well, and Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. Samaria was not part of his route. It was not part of his travel plans, but he was sensitive to the Holy Ghost in his life, and he recognized that he must needs go through Samaria so he could find that woman at the well. Can I tell you, it's not like a lot of the church would have you believe today that you've gone too far. You've done too much. Nobody's concerned about you. No, the God that we serve, he will reroute himself. He will change his plans to come to where you are and bring you the help you need in your life. And that ought to encourage you this morning. Sometimes you might find yourself in an out-of-the-way out place. You might be in a condition spiritually that you never expected to find yourself. And you certainly don't expect to find God there. You're so far from Him that you feel like it would be unlikely for Him to show up in your life. You find yourself isolated can I tell you, that's a real problem in the society we live in today. People feeling, they got people all around them, but yet they feel isolated. And you may feel that way and you don't think that he can find you. You may not even be looking for him. And you probably haven't asked him to show up. But guess what I came to tell you this morning? He's on the way. Hmm. I said he's on the way. Jesus will travel to an out-of-the-way and unlikely place. He will walk in unexpected and unrequested to help you. Right at, at the very least when you expect him, you can expect him to show up. He'll go out of his way. I want that to sink in your spirit this morning. Somebody needs to hear that. He'll change his travel plans. He will detour from his normal travel route to come to your rescue. See, I believe that sometimes some of you feel forgotten. You feel overlooked. You feel unnoticed. You feel unwanted. Anybody ever felt unwanted? It's not a good feeling. And when that happens, your chains grow tighter. Your sickness grows stronger. 
Your condition deteriorates daily. But can I tell you this morning, Jesus will pack a sack lunch and go out of his way to get to where you are. And if you're in an unlikely or an unexpected place this morning, keep an eye peeled for an uninvited, unsought, unexpected visitor who will bring freedom and healing. Can I tell you this morning, help is never outside of your zip code. Help will come looking for you. Help can and will. He can and will find you. And here's something that needs to be preached in a lot of pulpits today. When he finds you, he won't leave you the way you are. He won't just help you and move on. He will change you. Can I get a witness this morning? See, a real encounter with Jesus will cause all those tormenting spirits to flee your life just like that. He will change you. And the Lord visited Mary's little town of Magdala uninvited. He looked her up and he freed her from Satan's grip. And I love this part of the story. This is what's so good. Eighteen months later, it was Mary Magdalene that he gave the high honor. That's why I chose to read that scripture. To be the first eyewitness of his resurrection. Unexpected grace came to an unexpected place. Why is that part so important to you, Pastor? Because in today's church world and society, people, it's not the people that feel like they've earned it that get the blessing. It's not the people that feel like they've lived it. Some of y'all ought to help me preach that get the blessing. It's not the people who feel like they deserve it, hello, that get the blessing. No, it's the, it's the lady who was bound with not one but seven demons who got one touch from Jesus. And Jesus said, when I rise, you're exactly who I'm coming to first. So he came to the unexpected place. Secondly, he came to the impossible place. I want us to read from Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. And Jesus was climbing out of the boat. As he was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. And as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and he fell down in front of him. And then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man. Listen to this. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, What is your name? Legion, he replied. For he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. Luke paints this portrait here of an impossible place. Darkness so black that a cemetery becomes the canvas of choice. Can I tell you that there are people today that are so wrapped up and bound in a spirit of depression that they are hiding away even as we speak this morning in bedrooms with blinds closed 
curtains pulled, no lights on, hanging in the darkness. How do you know that, Pastor? I was called upon to visit some folks. And I went to the house one day. And when I walked, pulled in the driveway, it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, roundabout. And when I pulled in the driveway, I noticed that every blind in the house was pulled. It was broad, broad open daylight. I went to the door. The wife came to the door. There was no lights on inside the house. It was dark. It was pure daylight outside and it was as dark as night inside that house and if that wasn't bad enough the man was who I was supposed to come visit and pray with and I said where is he she said he's in the bedroom she led me down a hallway opened a door in the bedroom no lights on blinds pulled curtains closed and blankets on top hanging over top of the curtain rods to make it pitch black dark. I couldn't see anything in the room but his eyes. Why? Because he was hiding away with a spirit of depression. Can I tell you this morning? It is a very real thing that the church cannot ignore. Jesus didn't ignore it and we can't ignore it either. Worse than hiding away in a bedroom with the blinds pulled, Legion made his home the cemetery. That was his place he wanted to be. Bondage so severe that it can't be bound. If there was ever an impossible situation, this was an impossible situation. Can you fathom the depth of darkness that must have invaded this man's soul? See, in Mary's case... We know the number of demons that lived in her. The Bible told us there were seven. But in this case, the number was so high that when Jesus asked his name, the man responds, Legion. If you study the name Legion as it pertains to this scripture and the true origin and meaning, it would indicate, now listen to this, it would indicate that there were anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 demons residing inside this man's body. And this may very well be, as far as I can tell in Scripture, the worst case of bondage and torment ever recorded in Scripture. See, this man had been offered assistance. Others had tried to control him. They had tried to watch over him. But on every occasion, guards had been lost or perhaps driven off or ran for their lives as he broke the chains and the shackles. And sometimes the Bible tells us even abandoned his clothing. This was an impossible situation. It looked impossible. When I was drafting this sermon, the Lord spoke to me and told me, some of you are facing what appear to be impossible situations. And I don't know why I wrote down just a few, but one of the first ones that I wrote down is that some of you are facing mountains of financial challenges. You've tried everything that the experts have said. You've utilized every Dave Ramsey trick in the book, but still it looks impossible. God said that some of you were facing physical issues that have the doctors scratching their heads. And it has you literally scared for your life. No remedy seems to be available. No solution seems to be the final prognosis. And also the Lord spoke to me about this one. Some of you are in a relationship that seems doomed. No amount of counseling has seemed to help. Adjustments have been made, but nothing has changed. Hearts are hard. Hope 
is gone. Hands have been thrown up. And some as it pertains to marriage may be vows thrown out. And it may seem like it's over. But I want to ask you something this morning. How impossible is your place? I said, how impossible is your place? Has all assistance been given that man can give? Has every stone been overturned? Has every logical effort been made? If that's the case, I've got good news for you this morning. I said I've got good news. You're in the perfect place to meet the God who not only can, but he loves to walk right into the middle of impossible situations and turn them around for his glory. And this account this morning is the worst case scenario. It was a bad environment. The surroundings weren't ripe for redemption. There was no chance. And that is the powerful news. There was no chance. But Jesus' help, you hear me this morning, is not limited or weakened by the environment you're living in. I said Jesus' help and his power is not weakened or limited to the environment that you're living in. Or the environment you're working in. Are you with me this morning? Or the situation you found yourself in. Jesus is not limited by the impossibility. The impossible bowed its knee instantly to the presence of Jesus on that day. And I came to tell you this morning, it's no different today than it was that day. Whatever your situation with man, it may seem impossible. But with God, all. All things are possible. And once again, I want you to notice something. Legion didn't seek for help. Help sought him. See, I couldn't preach this last week. I had everybody confused. Does he want me to ask for help or not ask for help? Thirdly, he came, I don't know why I chose this one. There were several instances. I limited myself to three because we'd be here all day. But for some reason, I felt led to do this one. He came to the touchy or tense place. Let's read Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 47. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the twelve disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. If there was ever a moment in Scripture that was fraught with tension, this was it. The disciples were on edge and ready to fight. Now, this is the elite 12. When I got, there was other disciples. All of us are disciples. Shake it, nod your head, yes. All of us are disciples. This was the elite 12, though. You know what I noticed about this? They were armed and ready to fight. Those original elite 12, as we like to call them, 
we're holy with a little bit of hood. Come on, somebody. They were ready to fight. Ready to throw down. There's a reason I'm telling you this. They were armed from head to toe, and they were ready to exert force if necessary. It was dark. It was difficult to see. Adrenaline was flowing. Fists were clenched. Weapons were gripped. One wrong move, and a full-on street fight was about to erupt. And the wrong move was made. And so Peter, I want you to notice, it was Peter who snapped and sliced off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. Now listen, Peter wasn't just trying to wound him. He wasn't just trying to slice off an ear. He was trying to get his head. And I can envision that Malchus did this. And he lost an ear. But I also noticed something. It was Peter. I thought, how can this be? I've read the story, I knew the story, but for some reason I just wasn't putting all the different instances together. How can it be that Peter, who denied Jesus three times, you know the story, Peter, who goes, loses his holy and goes hood, slices off the ear of Malchus, but yet we turn over to the book of Acts and who's preaching on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people got saved? Peter! Can I tell you this morning, thank God for mercy and grace. Don't ever let the devil tell you you've done too much to be used by God. You've gone too far to be used by God. No, Mary's the one Jesus came to right after he was resurrected. Peter's the one that Jesus anointed to preach on the day of Pentecost. You can't go too far. You can't do too much that the grace of God cannot forgive you and set you in the right place. And I noticed something else. Peter, I don't find anywhere in Scripture that Peter went back. Because listen, we're hard in the church. How many knows what I'm talking about? But I noticed something about this story that I looked for and I couldn't find. I couldn't find anywhere in the Scripture where Peter went back. I won't pretend George was Malchus. And he went, I'm sorry, Malchus. I never should have done that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You don't find it anywhere in Scripture. Now listen, asking for forgiveness is scriptural. Say amen, somebody. When you know you've offended somebody. But I don't find anywhere in the scripture where Peter did that, but yet God anointed him to preach on the day of Pentecost. Why are you telling me that? Here's why I'm telling you that. Stop spending your life getting hung up on what somebody else does and allow it to keep you from where God wants you because of them. Let them do them and you do you and watch and see what God will do. I'm a poet and didn't even know it. Somebody needs to tweet that one. I don't even know what I just said, but I just know it all rhymed. But on that day, Peter snapped. You could tell he was a fisherman and not a soldier because he just sliced his ear off and didn't behead him. But it was a touchy place. It was a tense place. Blood had been spilt. Pain had been caused. Have you ever been in that place in your life? Some of you, I believe, are there right now. Every word has to be measured. You find yourself constantly walking on eggshells. Tension is in every look. 
One wrong word could end it all. Maybe it's your job. If you lose your cool, your job could be lost. Maybe it's your marriage. Love could be abandoned. Maybe it's something else, but one wrong glance can cause everything to begin to spiral out of control. One wrong decision could cause everything to come crashing down. And guess what? Maybe it wasn't you that caused the tension. Maybe it wasn't you that caused the pain. But you're caught up in it nonetheless. Uninvited and perhaps even unwanted, Jesus walks in. I'm almost finished. To this touchy situation. In this tense place. He walks in with tenderness. That's what's so good about God. He walks in with tenderness and with healing. And he disarms the situation. He helps and he heals what's been severed and cut off. Some of you are tense because of what has been cut off from your life. I don't know everybody's story, and I don't pretend to know everybody's story. But can I tell you that Jesus can walk into your situation, and He can heal what's been severed. Has your peace been cut off? Has your hope been snipped away? Has your heart been sliced into? Has your joy been surgically removed by a misplaced blow? you weren't expecting in your life. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is about to walk in and with one touch, just one touch, He can restore everything that you think you've lost. I'm going to come to the music. He'll walk in and He'll remove the tension. So I ask you this morning, what place are you in today? You may feel like that you're living in an unlikely place. You may personally feel like you're forgotten and overlooked. You may feel isolated or ostracized. Maybe you feel like you're in an impossible place. Maybe every solution that you've sought has failed miserably. It might appear that your life is in bondage. It might appear that you're... Your life is spiraling out of control, totally unreachable. You may even feel like you're so beyond help that maybe you would even welcome chains into your life because at least that would bring some restraint and some boundaries. And maybe you find yourself living in a tense, touchy place situation this morning every nerve on edge every word scrutinized yes blows have been struck wounds have been inflicted but regardless of where you find yourself Jesus has walked in to your place today he's walked in to your place today and listen 
You may not even be able to ask for help anymore. That may be where you feel like you are. Maybe you've asked and you've been disappointed so many times that you've given up hope. But can I tell you this morning, hope is here because He's here. I said hope is here because He is here. He's in this place and He can turn your morning into dancing. His presence can put that place, that unlikely place where you are on the map. You can remember it was November the 12th at 12.35 in the afternoon when Jesus met me at my greatest point of need. He can make your cemetery into a dressing room. If you need his help this morning, you are in the right place. You may not even sense it yet, but God has sent me here to remind you this morning that your help is on the way. David, who knew how to pray the help prayer, I said it last week, i got to say it again in Psalm 46 and 1. He said, God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. There isn't a day goes by that His presence is not on sight and not on the scene to bring you help. So I close today by saying this. If you need help today, any kind of help, if you're able, first of all, as I preached last week, won't you try asking for it? Why don't you try Him and ask for it? All you have to do is cry, help. I shared with you how, and maybe you wasn't here last week or wasn't watching online last week, how when I drafted this sermon, the Lord spoke to me and said, while I was sitting at my desk in my home office, He said, shout help with desperation. And my neighbor was walking her dog, and I thought, no, she'll hear me, and she'll think I'm in here needing help. The Lord said, shout help with desperation. So I said, help. I shouted it. The Lord said, shout it again with desperation. I said, help. And then God said, now shout it again. And this time when you shout it, I want you to imagine that it's Abby or Shelbo that needs your help. And I was like, God, I can't shout that again. People will think I'm crazy. But I began, the Lord said, shout it. I shouted, help. And I could envision Abby like she was in trouble. And then I just immediately cried again, help. And I could see Shelbo on the campus of L, which I can tell you is not a very safe place to be a lot of times. And I could see him in trouble. And my heart began to race. And I just kept shouting help. And I thought, why am I doing this? Why am I losing my mind? And God said, that is exactly how I feel every time my children cry for help. God feels that way about you in your situation. And I came to tell you this morning, God certainly hears those cries for help. But He also hears your heart's cry for help when you can't even utter the words yourself. He sees you when you feel like nobody else sees you. He knows what you're going through when you think nobody knows. I'm going to close with this scripture. Even when you feel like you're so far away from the help that you need that he's forgotten you. Even when you feel like that, can I tell you this morning, help is on the way. Can I get a witness? I said help is on the way. Preacher, you don't know where I've been, what I've done, where I'm at in my life. You don't know. Listen, I want to share something with you this morning before I read this scripture and close. And I want it to resonate with you because I want you to get it. You will never find, say never. You will never find yourself anywhere. Say anywhere. 
you will never find yourself anywhere that he is not. Did you hear me? You will never find yourself anywhere that he is not. The psalmist said it best. If you'll stand with me all over the house. He said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? In other words, where can I run to? If I go up to the heavens, you are where? Say it. If I rise on the wings of the dawn. He said, if I make my bed in the depths, you are? If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast if I say surely the darkness this is what the devil is saying to some of you will hide me and the light will become night around me even the darkness will not be dark to you the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you you can not go too far it's not even possible so with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room I want to ask first those of you that say preacher I hear you preaching this message but if I was to leave this parking lot today and go out into eternity I'm not even 100% certain that I would make heaven my home I'm not sure I'm ready if I was to go out into eternity today. If that's you, would you just quickly slip your hand up and put it back down all over the room? Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Anybody else in the room? I'm not 100% certain. Listen, I want to talk to them for just a second. Those of you that raised your hands, nobody looking around. The only difference between you and the people around you that know that they're ready is one decision. That's it. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, what kind of shape you're in this morning. The only difference between you and those who didn't raise their hands is one decision. And there is a room full of people here today that will testify with me to you that Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And you don't have to leave here today unsure. You can leave here knowing that you're ready. So when we... When they begin to sing, I want you to find a place in this altar and we want to pray with you today. But now I want to talk to the rest of you. You can look at me. Some of you need help from God in your life this morning. You're in the right place at the right time. Your help is here. It's on the way.